The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey, what's going on? It's Thursday, which means you only one thing. Broadcast the boys right here on the Blogging the Boys Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am Ari Temkin. You can tweet me at Ari Sports, A-R-I Sports. Also subscribe to my YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash Ari Sports. And of course, as always, Roy White on Twitter at RW3 and subscribe to his YouTube channel at RW3. We'll get many more great uh, pieces of content on your Dallas Cowboys. And we start today's show talking about, well, what else is there to talk about? Dak Prescott, and what Roy Roy Williams, (laughs) in what Roy Williams position did you play, since I know which Roy Williams I'm talking about? Yeah, which one? (laughs) And what is the count, what is the Dak clock at now? Well, including today's episode, we have just six episodes remaining until Dak Day, until Deal Day, until Franchise Tag Day comes and goes which I expect will come and go without a new long-term deal for Dak Prescott. Fortunately, though, for you and I, at least the news about Dak being in the news today doesn't really have anything to do with his contract. Yes. Now, I don't know if the circumstances are absolutely the best circumstances in which we'd want to be discussing Dak Prescott, But I will be honest and say it's actually better to me than the ad nauseum discussion about whether or not Dak is an elite quarterback. Yeah, it is is a a welcome departure from that discussion. So the magic number is six. Oh, 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 oh. Because we're both dads of young kids, so everybody gets the count reference, right? Six. The number is the number you want. Six. (laughs) Oh, oh, oh. Oh, so six more shows, and then our horrible Dak nightmare will be over, of course. Until next year. And, until, until it's not over at all, and a discussion, ongoing discussion about Dak Prescott and his contract will continue. But at least now we know it's only six left. But the big news story today with Dak Prescott is that he has pledged $1 million to improving police training and addressing systemic racism through education and advocacy in America. He actually posted on Instagram – uh, as a black multiracial American, I'm disgusted and unsettled. I am so optimistic. I'm as optimistic as they come. I try to understand and find the positive in every as every situation of, or aspect of my life. My mom left me the word faith to live out for a reason. I believe in the 
good in each individual and this country as a whole to be humble and to see every man and women as the same takes humility and accountability as our communities take action protest get fighting for the justice of george floyd and every black life i am with you i have viewed these protests and riots in our streets as a form of strength and an attempt to show we as black people have rights that aren't being perceived equally as our counterparts these riots have caused con uh, consternation and confusion in already crisis-driven world. So he's pledging a million dollars. Um, and so my first question, Roy, was only a million? Well, for a fourth-round pick, I'm uh, that's, yeah, that's about half of the money he's made in the time that he's been here now. 37%, um, by the way. He's made $4 million his career earnings, so it's 30. I mean, it's a, it's a crazy big number. Now, we know that he's made tons of money in, in endorsements and whatnot, but still, when you think of his total earnings of the Cowboys, it's 37%. I, I only made the joke of so little because that seems to be what people always do when anybody of substance donates money. It's like, they only donated that much? Please. Well, I, will, I will say when it comes to billionaire owners, I do believe that $1 million is the absolute baseline of what they can give while not seeming cheap. If you're a billionaire NFL owner, the minimum you can give essentially at any point is a million dollars. Otherwise you probably will get dragged. But in the case, in the case of many of them, they don't give anything. <laughs> so, I mean, they do, but I, I, I guess what I'm saying is it's like, it it's in the form like, of the team. It's in the form of the, the organization a lot of times. I just and think rather, the idea of, of guilting anybody into like any money they've donated is just absurd. But, but go ahead. Sorry. No, it absolutely is absurd. Um, now, if you want to be a real cynical jerk and immediately jump into this and ask the dreaded question of whether or not this has any impact on his contract, do you think this buys him some leverage? Do you think that million dollars is like if you're his agent and you're having this conversation behind closed doors, do you say to him, you put a million dollars in now and I guarantee you, you will get that investment returned many times over. Well, I mean, he's guaranteed. And not, and not only the, and not only the money that you're going to get, but in the pressure that now comes publicly behind you to support you because the other factor that's involved here, Ari, he's quite honestly the first major quarterback, and to be the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, one could argue the most high-profile quarterback in the league to come out and make a statement of this magnitude, tack on the fact that he's an African-American quarterback, and that is compounded. It makes his statement even more powerful than – even, you know, uh, the, the Players' Tribune or the Players' Coalition statement that was put out by Tom Brady earlier this week calling for racial injustice and, and change in police departments. Dak Prescott putting himself out there in the way he did, I don't think can be understated, you know, in terms of how it's benefiting players around the league and hopefully benefiting the situation. But also, if you want to be cynical – how are you not going to sign this guy to a long-term deal now? So it's How are you going to let this guy walk now? It's interesting you bring up the, the PR play for Dak. Uh, he is the, the, he's made sort of the largest pledge so far to this cause and the first NFL quarterback to make a seven-figure contribution to this, to this cause. And, I mean, I, I would imagine this does – I mean, from a, 
I hate to even be addressing it like this, but I think your point's well stated, right? Like it, it certainly – like this is a PR game. The back and well, forth with broadcast the – broadcast and the boys, Ari. We look at it from every possible Cowboys angle, even we're, – We're true the journalists. Most, even the most cynical ones. We're true journalists. But, yeah, I mean, I, I would think that, like, if we were gauging public opinion on Dak Prescott, like it was not – he was probably at an all-time low in terms of public perception of public opinion of him. And now – this is this is definitely helping to enhance that the public perception especially when i talk about public perception i'm speaking both here in dfw but also nationally on a national scale now it's easy for me to sit here and say this is a win-win for dak prescott but i also want to be sure to make sure that i am commending him for having the stones to put himself out there and take this position because he's taken a lot of heat over the last 4 years for not having spoken up or not having been more vocal about the Colin Kaepernick situation, about the way that Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys have always approached how the team would handle any protests that took place during the national anthem. And Dak Prescott took a ton of heat for how he handled that. So I just want to make sure and say – and not understate how big it is that the quarterback of America's team is stepping to the forefront like he did today, especially in the shadow of what another one of America's sweetheart quarterbacks said on the same day relative to the anthem and kneeling from NFL players. Yes, and, of course, Drew- I'm talking about Drew Brees and what right. he- Right. Yeah. I mean, on the same day, you're right. Dak Prescott pledges a million dollar donation to further police training and to, to more advocacy groups. Um, and Drew Brees says he's against basically people that are against the military. Is that a, is that a proper oh, way to summarize yeah. Brees' comments? I'm, I don't necessarily think that's 100% of a, a fair characterization. He said it in a way that was, I don't think anybody should be disrespecting the flag and of course that will invoke a number of feelings from all sorts of different directions about how people feel about the flag and what it stands for and so drew Brees, at some point he's going to have to reconcile that in his own locker room but the player who won't have to reconcile that the player who will now be able to call across the NFL and call the star players around the league and say, Hey, would you like to come play in Dallas with me in a year or two Yeah, and make that type of recruitment pitch? I know that's looking way far ahead and that's probably being too optimistic about what he could really do in free agency. But Dak Prescott just put himself on the map as a quarterback that 95% of the NFL would die to play for. Well said. Let me ask you something, and I, I, I purposefully didn't tell you about this before we did the show because I truly wanted your opinion without thinking. Or I, I, I want, so, well, you know that's bad because I'm terrible on the spot. No, but this, it's a, it's an important exercise here. Did you hear what Charles Robinson said last week about Dak Prescott's contract situation? I believe so, but refresh. So Charles Robinson, who is – as plugged in 
to the Cowboys front office happenings as anybody in Dallas. Would you agree with that? Charles Robinson, from a national media perspective, is one guy you should listen to when it comes to what's happening with the Cowboys. He knows what's going on. Okay, so he was on the Doug Gottlieb show, and here's what he said about Dak Prescott's contract situation. Someone's got a budge here, and I think the one thing that the Cowboys have going for them is everybody across the NFL, and I think even agents now know that next year could be a flat salary cap. Like, that's how they're going to deal with the potential lost revenue. And it's unlikely the cap will roll back, but it very, very likely could be it doesn't go up. It's the same salary cap. And that means that money is going to get drawn back a little bit moving forward. So maybe that makes a deal, you know, like the one on the table for Dak right now looks a little bit better. And, you know, that could help the Cowboys. I still think it gets done, but I'll say this. If it does not get done, if he plays this year on the franchise tag, that guy will go through all the tags. He'll tag it out just like Kirk Cousins, and he will go to free agency. I think this is the last time to get the long-term deal done. I think if it doesn't get done now, it's over. So did you catch those comments last week? Well, there's a lot to that. Um, I believe Charles made the rounds on several different outlets last week. And so I did not hear those specific comments. No. So I heard them last last week and was shocked at how little play this got, like relative to the feeding frenzy that seems to surround Dak Prescott's contract discussions. For one, Charles Robinson's a guy you should listen to on the Cowboys stuff because he's 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 got good sourcing inside the Cowboys front office, and two because it's I mean it, it's a pretty impactful thing that he's saying. He's basically saying that if the if so if a deal doesn't get done in the next six weeks, it's not it's now or never for this. Well, I wouldn't necessarily say it's never. It just means that. That's, in, what Tra- that's what Charles Robinson's saying. That's, that, that's what I'm saying. Is, is he's saying if it's not getting done now, it's not going to get done. Well, in that he's saying that Dak will play out his franchise tags and then test free agency. Um, I think that's kind of always been the way that it was going to trend because of the fact, as we've you know, documented on this broadcast, uh, on several different other places as well. Several outlets have pointed it out. He can make 70 million guaranteed basically just by running out the franchise tag for the next two seasons. And if he does that, he will get himself to the edge of the NFL's next new TV streaming revenue deal, whatever it is. Okay, the NFL and owners can pretend like the salary cap's not going to go up, and it may not for a year, but at some point, stadiums will begin to fill again. People will still need their football fix. In fact, when it does finally come back, there's a high probability that it's more popular than ever because we've been starving for it so much up to that point anyway. I just don't believe NFL owners – and specifically Jerry and the Cowboys are going to be able to sell Dak Prescott and his team that the bad times are coming and they're here to stay. And so for that reason, I can understand the Cowboys clutching their purse strings and not wanting to commit too much for fear of what's coming ahead. That is the unknown of the financial situation of NFL teams and all of that. But Dak Prescott, he's pretty secure in the fact that he's getting $70 million the next two seasons, whether you like it or not. 
Right. And I think Robinson's point there is if this is the deal that they have offered and Dax saying this isn't enough, it's not going to increase going into next year as the salary cap stays stagnant. And again, who knows? Because like this is just based on if there's no revenue from NFL owners for any ticket sales, then 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 the projection is that the salary cap will stay static at one ninety eight point, whatever it is. But you would even think NFL owners, right, in the shysty, not the shysty way they, they do business, but the, the hardball way that they do business, if they lose revenue this season, then chances are the Cowboys would go back to Dak and say, hey, this is what our offer was. We've got to cut it down just a little bit because this is the percentage of money that we lost. You can understand from a business standpoint why they would think that is a successful negotiating tactic. But again, this nothing has changed for Dak Prescott and his camp with that equation. So in essence, all, all the unrest is doing, all the financial unrest, all the uncertainty, all that it is doing is pushing the Cowboys further away from the table because they don't want to overcommit while Dak Prescott is still sitting here saying, guys, nothing about my situation has changed. I'm confident in what I can do. I'm willing to bet on myself. I'll run the franchise tags out for the next two seasons. And by the way, in that, in that Robinson quote, he doesn't say that that's the end for Dak Prescott in Dallas. He just says that at that point, it would make sense for Dak to test free agency. And I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. If he winds up playing through two seasons of franchise tag, he knows the Cowboys can't franchise tag him a third season and they've got to back the Brinks truck up to compete with any other team who might be willing to sign him at a King's ransom. He knows all of this. What makes you scratch your head is how do the Cowboys not know this too? I mean, and the only thing I can point to is the uncertainty of the current situation that would give them pause. I, I, I think it's obvious based on the last few years, the way the Cowboys have handled some of their internal free agents. And maybe I'm talking specifically about Demarcus Lawrence and, and Zeke Elliott. Like they don't exactly deserve the benefit of the doubt. And like, if it gets to that, Roy, the Cowboys have so poorly mismanaged this situation that they deserve whatever horrible fate that, that means that they get. Because you just, like, you were in position to pay this guy and you just never did. And you always thought that he was asking for too much relative to the market value until, like, then you get there to the edge and you're like, wait a minute, now you got to pay him even more than we were going to pay him before. It's like every year it seems like that. And it's, it'd be one thing if the Cowboys were seemingly savvy when it came to this stuff, but we've seen in recent history, like, they gave in to Zeke. They gave in to Marcus Lords. What's, so what's the point of this dog and pony show? Well, what are you trying to build? I mean, many Cowboys fans would argue still that every season Jerry's jo- Jerry Jones's goal is Super Bowl or bust. You could look at his age and reasonably ask, whether or not he's willing to push his chips all in every year 
or for the short term of, say, a one- or two-year window, like he may believe they have this season and next season, you could see a scenario where a man of his age would be willing to push all of his chips in and say, future be damned, I don't need to worry about that. I want to give myself the best opportunity to do it in the next two seasons. I'm not saying that is what's taking place. but Right. Or he's saying that and Steven's saying, now, now, Jerry, now, now. That's Roy White. I am Ari Temkin. This is Broadcasting the Boys right here on the Blogging the Boys Network. Um, I'm very curious about what you had to say a couple of weeks ago on Randy Gregory. Plus, should the Cowboys have gone defense over CeeDee Lamb? One NFL writer seems to think so. We'll discuss that next. This is Broadcast the Boys right here on Blogging the Boys Network. Along with Roy White on Twitter at RW3, I am Ari Temkin on Twitter at Ari Sports. And uh, Peter King, noted NFL writer, one of the uh, flag bearers of NFL uh, media, um, just ask him, ha- has an article out with the power rank, po- basically power ranking the NFL top 32 teams. And he's got the Cowboys. Flag bearer, flag bearer and at times water carrier for the NFL owners. <laughs> yes, yes. So he's got the Cowboys at nine, uh, one spot below the Oakland, sorry, Las Vegas Raiders, who went seven to nine last year. But I, but forget about that. I, don't, I still don't understand how the Raiders are going to be good this year. But I, but I digress. Uh, he's got the Cowboys at nine, and so he he writes, um, you know, he writes he'll have much better weapons to use with the Cowboys, led by C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, and Michael Gallup at receiver, and Zeke Elliott in the backfield. I still feel like the Cowboys would have been wiser to go defense with the pick that nabbed Lamb. Even better, a trade down to get a corner and safety in rounds one and two after losing sack leader Robert Quinn and top corner Byron Jones at free agency. Um, well, they got a corner <laughs> round two. Two. <laughs> That's the first thing that came to mind. So he... And then they got a corner in round three or... Four. Four, thank you. But he's arguing then that he would have rather them taken the best safety available at the time and a cornerback versus who many think is the best wide receiver in the entire draft and the player they ended up with, which was a cornerback. A player whom prior to the draft, people thought the Cowboys might have to consider taking with the 17th pick. Um, I appreciate what Peter's saying. and In it, it, their words, and he wrote them down. And that he may be right about the Cowboys needing a safety. It, it, many Cowboys fans would say that if there's one position that concerns them, it's that particular position and how they will fill that role. And the fact that they haven't had an impact player in that role since the great Darren Woodson. And lo and behold, that happens to coincide with the last time this team was great. I could see where Peter's thinking in that, but I would want to know what the player combination was that he thought they could get that would have wound up being better than C.D. Lamb plus Trevon Diggs. Because I don't believe that was there. 
And I don't believe any of the safeties that were available at 17. I believe McKinney was still available um, just off the top of my head because I, I hadn't thought about this prior. I don't remember thinking, wow, this is a safety that the Cowboys absolutely should take here at 17. Now he's thinking about a trade down, and I suppose maybe you could have pick and picked up a second second-round pick. But if that trade was there to be made – I imagine the Cowboys might have considered making it too. You know, you gotta have a you gotta have someone else to dance with to make a deal like that. So what was your mind when the Cowboys were on the clock at 17? It was between Kalevon Chason, the LSU defensive end, pass rusher, and Lamb. And I fully expected them. Well, that's, I suppose I felt, I felt very strongly, 70%, that they would take the pass rusher. Me too. Simply because I didn't think they would believe that Lamb would fill a need. And I thought that they would press to fill a need. And I'm glad that they didn't. This is exactly, this is exactly I think, what every Cowboys fan was thinking in the lead-up to that pick. Will the Cowboys go need, or will they go best available? And Peter King is basically arguing that they should have gone need. Like, forget about the players. We could sit here and talk about who the players were and who they didn't get and what they could have done, but Peter King is basically saying, yeah, they should have taken need because he looked at the Cowboys' needs and said they needed defense on defense, and they did. But most Cowboys fans, I'm not going to speak for all of them, but most Cowboys fans would be very, very – were so excited and happy that they didn't go need that they went best available at 17 because in many ways they get, it showed a new era of Cowboys football with a new coach because Jason Garrett takes Caleb on chase on because Rod Marinelli takes Caleb on chase on at 17 and not CD lamb. And I think we had a decade of expecting the Cowboys to pick chase on in that spot because that's what we saw for a decade. And that's why the Cowboys should have gone with CD lamb because you should always go best available, especially in an offensive league where your passing offense is your lifeblood to success. Well, there's other reasons too. Uh, I agree with all of those points. Um, another reason it's more exciting, I, I feel strongly, is that fans, by and large, are much more attracted to offensive players than defensive players. Right. That'll get people a lot more excited. Uh, two, that he's essentially local, having gone to Oklahoma. So many Sooners fans in the DFW area, and you see all their games on Saturday here on the Big 12 Network. So we're exposed to a lot of C.D. Lamb already in the Metroplex. And then, of course, like you mentioned, the best available aspect of it. That was the Jason Garrett way of do it th doing things. He'd been around for so long that we – had come to believe that that was the Cowboys' way of doing things. And now we're all breathing a sigh of relief to find out that that's not, in fact, the case. Very, very exciting, though, with the way it turned out. Finally, though, on, on Peter's point, he makes a perfect prediction in that we won't really know the answer until probably midway through the season. Because if it does come to pass – that the Cowboys' glaring deficiency on the back end of their defense forces them to have to score 30 a game and they're unable to do so on a consistent basis, 
then we'll still be able to point to a significant problem that a lot of Cowboys fans have been pointing to and complaining about for over a decade. Uh, to that point, I'll say you need to have a, a good defense, but when you look at Super Bowl champions in the last decade, nine times out of ten you're looking at a top five offense, and, and most of those you're looking at a top two offense. You don't have to have a top five offense and a top five defense to win a Super Bowl. You have to have a top five one of them, and nine times out of ten the last decade it's been a top five offense. You have to be okay on defense, but where that is, it's hard to characterize. Or, so, or you can be historically great right, on defense right. and significantly improve your chances. But it's a lot harder right. to consistently be historically great many years in a row on defense than it is to do that on offense. In, in the decade, I'm assuming Denver's Super Bowl championship is still in this decade, right? Barely. Yeah. That's that that there's your one. They had a all time great, historically great defense, and they won one with a really bad offense. But that's it. That's it. All right, Roy White, Ari Temkin, we'll finish up with what the heck's going on with Randy Gregory's reinstatement. That's next. Hey, it's broadcast of the boys. Roy White, Ari Temkin on Twitter at RW3. I am on Twitter at Ari Sports, A R I Sports. And so a a couple of weeks ago, it might have been our first episode, if I'm being honest, you made a Randy Gregory prediction, uh, Roy. And, well, as we sit here, June 4th, still nada, nothing. No yeah, peep. I'd like to pretend it was a prediction, but in actuality, I was really just trying to follow the tea leaves of the process. And when I say the tea leaves of the process, I mean – the actual written language in the NFL collective bargaining agreement that says specifically when a player applies for reinstatement with the NFL offices, the NFL offices must make a decision on said player within 60 days of the application process. I made a prediction on one of our original shows. It was shortly after Alden Smith, Alden Smith rather, had been reinstated. And in making that prediction, all I simply did was look at a calendar. And I saw that the first report of Randy Gregory applying for reinstatement came from Todd Archer on March 22nd. When you and I recorded the show, it was May 21st. That meant the following day would have been day 60 if indeed Randy Gregory applied for reinstatement on the day of Todd Archer's report. So I can't figure out why, and no one has explained it to me. No media member has sought it out. Not to say necessarily that they're not looking into it, just to say that it doesn't seem to be a major concern for anybody. And I get that. I think most people's thought process is that Randy Gregory will be reinstated. But here we are twiddling our thumbs now a week and a half later and still no news. Yeah. I mean, just to reiterate your point, um, Todd Archer wrote an article on March 22nd um, that said he has officially filed to reinstate it to the NFL. Under the league substance abuse policy, the NFL has to make a decision on Gregory's status in the next 60 days. So we're 60 days past March 22nd. We are actually almost two weeks now past the 60 day quote-unquote, deadline 
according to the NFL CBA. Now, I haven't heard Randy's representation make a stink. Haven't heard Randy make any kind of statements on social media. It's been all quiet from the Cowboys organization as to whether or not anything is taking place. And it's entirely possible that the NFL may be waiting to release this news at a time when perhaps the smoke clouds have cleared a little bit and people can be happy for that fact rather than maybe shine a, you know, a microscope on it in times like these. But I can't, between you and I, Ari, honestly come up with a legitimate reason for why this decision would have already been made. Right, especially and- given that Alden Smith has already been reinstated and what, ran, what Alden Smith has attempted to come back from far more significant than Randy Gregory. I mean, we're talking about failed drug tests for Randy Gregory. With Alden Smith, we're talking about multiple arrests. And more recent. I mean, granted, Alden Smith wasn't playing in the league, but he had an incident last summer. Right. So it, it's, it, it's beyond reason why Alden Smith has been reinstated and Randy Gregory has not. And, and if the reason or rationale was, well, it, you know, because Alden Smith fell beforehand, like we've, we've, we've gone beyond the threshold for Randy Gregory. So it's, it's, there's really no, there's, there's no opinion here other than like, it's just weird. And nobody has like, there, nobody's asking for or reporting any information on it. So it's, it's just bizarre. Like even if you Google Randy Gregory right now and look for the most recent news on him, it's from like a week ago. It was like, Randy Gregory's still waiting. There's nothing concrete about it. So it, it is bizarre. And um, I appreciate you bringing it up, right? Because it is, it's, 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 it doesn't make any sense. It's all and, I can do. It's all I can do, man. <laughs> Fight the powers that be. All I'm doing is asking the NFL front offices to hold themselves to the same standard that they expect players to be held to when they signed the collective bargaining agreement. That's all. Don't be ridiculous. I want to close with the tweet of the week, which is a segment I've just decided we're going to start doing every week or maybe not just maybe this week, but uh, tweet of the week comes from the one and only Ed who tweeted at us at RE sports at RW three, not one point in Andy Dalton's career. Did he ever have a, as good of a roster as Dak did in the first four, basically what you've agreed on is Dak with one career playoff win is around 30 million a season, more than zero playoff wins. Yeah, you summed it up. That's it. For me, at least. I mean, yeah, you did it. One playoff win, $30 million more, I would agree. Especially when that one playoff win came in um, three less attempts, four fewer attempts. How many playoff wins does Carson Wentz have? I can't remember. No. um, I suppose if we are going to take the time to address this question, because he did take the time to – ask it of us and if we want people to continue to send in questions i think we need to treat them with a little bit of respect well to be fair um, this was a, not a question it was a statement but go ahead i suppose then i might agree with that statement this team may very well be more talented than any of the teams that andy dalton has played on up to this point this this team this season yeah it may how about it may be uh, no, I think I think you're right. It is, but yeah. what he's saying is not this year's team. He's saying the previous teams that Dak has been on have had more talent on their roster than any of the teams in Cincinnati that Andrew Dalton's on, which is 
Oh, just, that's just not true. No, no, yeah. no, no. I mean, I mean, first of all, do the Cowboys currently have a receiver better than AJ Green or as good as AJ Green? Let's we could just start there. Did no. Dak ever have a defense as good as no the no. prime Geno Adkins led defenses that no. the Bengals had? No, Dak has never had. I think Dak's highest defense DVOA is like fifteenth. I mean, I want to entertain the question in a way that is respectful of the question. So I will say I don't believe Dak has played with significantly more talent. Uh, I also believe that Dak has had to deal with a head coach who probably didn't get the best out of him that could have been gotten. And I would say also that in Dak's inexperience and youth, he did as much or more than Andy Dalton did in the prime of his career. And Andy Dalton is certainly no longer a spring chicken in the prime of his career. Mm -hmm. So when I factor all of those things together, the seven-year age difference, the fact that Dak Prescott could be my quarterback for the next 15 years versus Andy Dalton, who might be my quarterback for the next season, perhaps as a backup. I don't think that conversation – I do think the difference between them is $30 million a year. I do believe that, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and by the way, you're not paying Dak $30 million a year, whatever it is, $40 million a year for what he has done. You're, you're paying him for future performance and and – I mean, you certainly want to account for the things he has done in his career, but so much of what he's going to get paid is based on what you think he will do in the future. All right, that's Roy White on Twitter at rw 3 Maybe keep those questions coming. Keep those comments coming at RE Sports on Twitter. Also, please make sure to check out all the other great shows we have here on the Blogging the Boys podcast network, including the daily briefings in the morning on the Ocho, uh, the Girls Talking Boys with Kelsey Charles and Meg Murray, you can also check out the 750 with Tony Casillas and RJ Ochoa. Uh, Talking the Star with Connor Livesey, Dalton Miller, and Cole Patterson. And, of course, broadcast the boys with yours truly and Roy White. But for now, we love you. Stay safe out there. Peace and love. Support your fellow man. <laughs>